Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Okay. We're excited to be here today with Wade Millward from Rycor. Yeah. You got it. Welcome. Thank you. And he's yoked. Uh, we had this conversation before (laughs) he's the buffest insurance guy we've had on a podcast that's that's all i'm going for Uh, (laughs) so he's building a really cool company uh typically when we start the podcast the first thing we ask is a 30 second elevator pitch on what you're working on so let's hear it yeah 30 second elevator pitch I'm going to make it even like shorter than that. 15. So we protect franchises as they scale. That's it. Wow. What kind of franchises? Super simple. Um, All types of franchises. We're heavy into the home service or contractor space, artisan contractors. We do a lot of things though, like protection. Like what does that mean? So we automate insurance compliance at scale for all of their franchisees. And then we also make it a super simple process for franchisees to get the coverage they need or insurance they need. Okay. So, for example, um, someone has a franchise and they they know what to do on the franchise side, but all the business elements to that, they come to you and say, Wade, hook me up with all the things yeah, that we need to cover in, our franchise. Insurance is such a foreign concept to basically everybody outside of insurance. Mm-hmm. And what happens is these franchises get established and they're working with an attorney and the attorney does a great job on the attorney stuff. And then they get to this insurance section and they're like, hey, Mr. Franchisor, what do you want to do for insurance? And they just defer to the franchise guy. And the franchise guy is like, I don't know what to do with insurance. So we do Mm. a consultation. We help them restructure the insurance so that way the brand is protected as they scale. And then we implement that into our software. We monitor and actively monitor the insurance for all the franchisees. We're collecting all this data from all the franchisees. We give the franchisors access to this insightful data so they can take actionable or take action on the franchisees if needed. And then we notice another problem that the franchises experience is that uh, they're always trying to improve the experience for franchisees. And part of the experience um, that the franchisees have is they, they're trying to get the insurance. And the traditional process is, hey, Mr. Franchisee, go find insurance with somebody else. Here's the requirements, by the way. And it's really clunky and there's a ton of friction involved. And so and they the franchi- call and yeah, they're trying to find a Google broker, and State whatever, Farm. It's like, yeah. and then they come back with the wrong insurance and all of a sudden they're going <laughs> back and forth. They're just playing volleyball, right? Like uh. wasting everybody's time. And so we get involved and we created this super simple process. No questions, no applications, no nothing. Like we know everything about the brand. And so, uh, yeah, they introduce us to the franchisees, the franchisees, you know, high, high conversion ratio. We just hold their hand through the insurance purchasing process check off the boxes and we're good to go. Cool. The insurance thing is like one of the last things we have to do with a company when we uh, finish a loan. It's always such it's a pain a in the butt. It's always no a pain in the butt. Well, it's just like I have to track down their agent and the agents yeah. aren't always responsive yeah. and they don't know what we need. Half the time, I don't know what we need because yeah. like, every, every company is different, right? You got to have different levels of insurance. Yep. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's, it's, a, it's the exact same concept. And in fact, when I was doing kind of like this market market research process in the very beginning at the inception of the company, when I just formalized it, I was actually looking in the lending space. I was looking at banking and banking has the exact same problem. I found that out, but I didn't really want to deal with banks. So I went <laughs> we are, we're a bigger pain in the butt than no, no, 100%. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. The red tape, dude, no way. So yeah. 
So is it a tech platform that you're building to kind of make this seamless, a seamless process, or is it just a a system that you've created? Yeah, we built our own technology platform. Okay. Yeah, so we have our own proprietary software. We have, you know, I'll throw out some sexy buzzwords. We do some AI, some ML, some NLP, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't mess around. We never say those words because (laughs) the customer doesn't care how you do it. They just want their problem solved. That's right. So um, I was impressed that your elevator pitch was 20 seconds or less. Or 10, right? maybe Ten. five. That was the shortest one we've ever that had. That was awesome. It's dialed. And it's hard to do it's that. very hard. So how long did it take you to compress that to that <laughs> two sentences that you just, just said? Just on the drive here. Okay. <laughs> he practiced it eight Five times. minutes ago. You know, because everybody asks that question, well, what do you do? And I typically, like, I'll go into the long version and it doesn't make sense. And so, like... We protect franchises as they scale because protection really is what we're trying to do. We're risk, we're, you know, mitigating risk. We're, we're protecting the franchisees. We're getting the right insurance in place. We're, you know, actively, there's so much to it. It's mm-hmm. really complicated to be honest. And so the, my objective is how do I simplify this? How do I help other people understand, especially in the franchising world, right? So I've been working on that for three years. Good for you. Yeah. There's been some people on the podcast that we like get close to the end of the episode and I still am oh, a dang. little lost. <laughs> and we Sometimes hate- their their pitch is so long that I'm like, we hate to admit it, but it, uh, it does happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, you know what? Part of the process in the very beginning, I, I um, fortunately have an incredible co-founder, Jonathan. Uh, so I've been selling insurance for 17 years now. I, I was a traditional broker for 14 of those years and I started this company in 2020. And so I've been selling one way for the most part for 14 years. And what we did right out of the gate is every single time I would receive feedback from a prospective customer, Mm -hmm. whether it was franchisee, me doing franchisee deals or franchisor deals, I would go back to Jonathan. I'm like, hey, and I would just give, I would just vomit all over him. This is what happened. This is the interaction. This is what they said. This is what I said. And he has the uncanny ability to be able to ingest everything and then spit out something, sound bites. This is what you should say, Wade. And so I have created, me and him, Jonathan primarily, has created a a series of sound bites that I would specifically use for franchisors and franchisees. And we developed that to keep language simple, to focus on the result, right? They're actually solving their actual pain point, focus on the result. And so it's not overly complicated. And it's like, change the game. It's night and day. Hmm. That's cool. Um, So when you you say you've had... Uh, what did you say? 17 years of ex- experience yeah. in insurance or something yeah. like that? Is that Was that on the PNC side PNC. or on the health side? Okay. Yeah, everything that I do is property and casualty. Okay. All yeah. right. Got it. I know little to nothing about group health. Anything else? Or commercial or anything? PNC is part of commercial. So we do small business insurance, all Got the franchisee stuff. Yeah. Cool. So then I, I'm just curious about how did, how did it come about where you st- decided, hey, franchisees is where we're going to focus our efforts and yeah. make that our vertical. How did you? It's a cool story. Come to that. Yeah, I want to hear a story. We're on guys. a podcast. Why don't you share the story? Wait, wait, wait. We're yeah, on a we are. Can oh, you believe man. it? You believe it? Here we are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I started insurance in 2007. Okay. And I'll, I'll back. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that origin story at that moment because I think it's unique. I started working for my dad. Um, it's in Lake Forest, California, and I get to my desk for the first week, and I'll never forget it. I walk in, there's these brown desks everywhere. You guys know what I'm talking about, the brown <laughs> old desks. and these The old, big ones that take up half yes, a Yes, they take up, he's, you know, he's got this great office space, and he has two desks, right? Just, you know, massive brown desks. And I, I get in there, and he gives me this list, this Excel spreadsheet that's on, you know, my monitor. And he goes, here, son, start calling. And so that was the start 
no training, no nothing, just calling hundreds of people a day. And finally I started, you know, getting in leads and started learning about insurance. And I just wanted to run away at that point in time. <laughs> I was miserable, but I, guys, here's the thing about plan A and plan B, plan C, whatever. I didn't have a plan B. I decided not to go to college. Right. So I'm like, I have to make this thing work. There's no other option for me. So I just, you know, I, I attribute myself to not being the smartest person, but having a good amount of grit. And I just like buckled down and just started getting stuff done. So um, the other thing was, was interesting is that we built our own agency management system. So we actually built software. Mm. So around 2008, I took ownership over that and I was selling insurance, servicing insurance and developing software all at the same time. And I did that for my entire career while there, which is really weird. Like nobody else does that. And so I started to develop this mindset of like, well, what if, like, mm. why can't we do it this way? What, and what how we, to scale? How, yeah. All that. Like how I do we leverage that. technology to yeah. differentiate ourselves to just solve problems? Um, and I think that's relevant because then around, I, I built a large book of business and 2018 rolls around and this lady, Heidi Pay, a customer of mine, a franchisee turns out, approaches me with two problems. Like she comes to me with a silver platter, two problems are on top of that silver platter and she goes, wait, can you solve this for me? And that's how it started. So mm. she's the one that like got me thinking about how to solve the problem and she said, we have a problem with certificates of insurance and leveraging our buying power as a franchise. They're the second largest franchisee of the Sotheby's International Realty franchise brand. Um, they had 600 brokers at the time selling high-end residential real estate. They did $100 million in revenue, and she comes a little weighed, you know, asking to solve some of her problems. And um, so, yeah, I created this concept, and it was just like, you know, PowerPoint presentation. And I had some guy in Northern California help me with like some of the UI, UX, but dude, it was the weirdest thing, man. When she came to me with that, I think within a week I had this like constant, it just like popped you know, right into the, right into my head. You just knew exactly. And this I did was. it. I just put words on a PowerPoint and kept going through. And then I got this guy, Jonathan to come help me different Jonathan with like building out this presentation. And I presented it to her and she was like super excited about it so much so that she got me in front of the brand president of 900 locations, this franchise concept. And I'm like, dude, this is going to be crazy. So this is, this is funny. It was, um, 2018 and uh, October 31st, it was Halloween day and we were having a Halloween party at the office and I was wearing a unicorn blow up inflatable costume. <laughs> nice. And she, I get a, I, my, my cell phone starts buzzing and it's Heidi pay on the call. <clears throat> so I pick it up. She goes, wait, are you going to be ready? I'm like, for ready for what? She goes, you have to be ready in six minutes. I have the brand president on the line. He's going to call or we're going to, we're going to meet with him. You're going to talk to him about this concept. I'm like, what? So that was my introduction to like pitching franchises. Rip off the costume. Let's get serious. Oh my right? gosh. Luckily we weren't doing video calls. Yeah. It was pre COVID. <laughs> so you did the call. I did the as call a as a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was love crazy. Love it. So that's, that's how it started. And then I, uh, I met Scott Abbott who it's another incredible story. He was the next franchisor. I was doing market research, right? And I met him and I go down. It's actually here. I want to say in Springville or Spanish Fork or something like that to a pizza place. And he kindly takes my phone call. We meet up and he's a very successful franchisor, had a very successful exit in like 2015. And I'm going through this presentation and he just stops me. And he goes, how much is this going to build? Or how much is this going to cost to build? And I'm like... I have no idea. Like, I'm just asking questions, Scott. Like, I have no idea. He goes, how much is it going to cost to build? And um, 
I probably said the stupidest thing I could have ever said. I said fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> oh man! No. <laughs> so um, I'm like, but why? And he's like, every single franchisor has this problem. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I think I'm onto something. And he, as a franchisor, was growing his brand. He had 150 franchisees. One of his franchisees was left without workers' compensation, which pays for medical expenses to an injured employee on the job. This dude goes up on a ladder as a painter contractor, falls off, and becomes a paraplegic. And there's no workers' compensation to pay for his medical bills, for his disability, right? Nothing. So sure enough, the franchisee gets sued. The franchisee doesn't have workers' compensation, doesn't have deep pockets. He's gone. He goes BK. And what they do, they go all the way up the ladder to the franchisor. The franchisor is liable for the operations of these franchisees. And so Scott got nailed with a lawsuit. And they were in litigation for five years. And he eventually settled for $5 million. Mm. And so he was just ending that experience. And all of a sudden I popped up onto their, his radar with like this potential solution to his problem. There you go. That's the story. That's cool. I'm just, the marketing side of me says, just start hitting up all these uh, lawsuits and look at all these claims that are happening. And that's your lead gen, right? Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, I actually went down that path. Did you? That's the one of the first things I tried finding. It's really difficult to find that data. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's for sure. What I've found is that you start talking with these franchisors and it typically resonates. They have had some sort of experience themselves or they're familiar with an experience from a different franchise. So pretty crazy. Did you, uh, I'm just thinking back to like your first day hating the brown <laughs> desk. Are they still doing that by the way? Are they still doing the insurance in California? No, they're here. I was with them. They moved to Utah back in 09. So yeah, oh. I was with them in Highland, Utah for oh. until 2020. Okay. Well, Did okay. you know that like you wanted to do your own thing eventually or were you oh. just like, hey, I'm, I'm Dude, in? What a good question. So I was working for, with my, for my dad and my two other brothers. We were working together. So uh, as a family business, my, my grandfather started the agency in 1947. I 100% believed that I would be there the rest of my life. Not once did I start thinking that I was going to start something else on my own until probably 2018. Uh, I was very, I, I was an entrepreneur for quite some time there. Um, I was, I love to build things. I like to question things and questioning things is not very comfortable for a lot of people, especially when you have an incredible lifestyle business. It's like, why would we question anything? It's working. Stop asking <laughs> yeah. questions. And so I started butting heads at that time and I had an incredible mentor <clears throat> and I was asking him questions. And instead of him giving me the answer, he would, he would ask me to read a book. And that was the um, start of my kind of like learning journey, which I hadn't read a book for 10 years prior to that. <laughs> right. And he's like, you got to read this book and then come back to me. And I read that and that changed my life. Not that one book, but the habit of reading books and learning. And um, I was like, oh crap, dude, we're, I got to do something different. And my father refused to ever establish a succession plan. Just I, the writing was on the wall. And there was a big catalyst that occurred when they, um, they disagreed with something I did. And mind you, I was probably generating 60 to 70% of the revenue for the agency for the, my career. And they disagreed with one thing that I did. And they sat me down on a table. And my two brothers were there. And they ended up suspending me 
from the business for two weeks. They said, you're suspended. Harsh. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was harsh. And, uh, that was it. That, that was everything for me. That was my answer. That was everything I needed, um, to separate myself from the business mentally, physically, emotionally, the money didn't matter anymore. I realized that I would just be miserable for the rest of my career trying to work with them. And so that day when I went home, I clicked the buttons online, registered a company that I had been thinking about for a long time just to formalize it for myself. It wasn't anything yet. And two weeks later, I go back to the office and they sit me down that this time my two brothers are there and my dad. And they go, what do you have to say for yourself? And what they wanted was an apology. Had they talked to you at all during that two week time period? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. They cut me off from everything. You're done texting. You're done as an administrator. You're done with all the technology. I was doing all the tech development. You're done with that. You're cut off from this. You're no longer in management. You're just a producer. That's what I got from them. So I came back and they wanted them for me to apologize. And what I gave them was like the complete opposite of what they expected. I just said, I looked them all in the eye. It's just like, I'm looking at you, Jake and UAJ. I was like, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I started my own company. I'll be a producer and I'm gone. Did they, they were mad. Wow. I was going to say, did that strain relationships for a long time? I mean, they already, the, the relationship was strained. Oh. So in my mind, by me separating myself completely, I was actually trying to preserve the relationship in the long run. Now I understood that it was going to be rocky for a long time and it certainly was, but I was one of the first to reach out to all of them. Good for you. So then they kicked me out of the office while I was starting my business and I worked, I've been working out of my house since March of 2020. Shows a huge level of humility. I'm impressed by that. Oh, it's freaking hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> How is it today? Our relationship's better it's today? It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, like water under the bridge. Like for me, it's it's not worth the mental, emotional energy to hold on to something like that. Um, I was, unfortunately, I wasn't even able to purchase my book of business. Like all, I just left it all. Like it was they a large. They just take it. They took it all. Huh? It's just, yeah, just gone. Just walk away from it. But it wasn't worth it to me. It just, yeah. I, it would have held me back. So how long did it take you to replace your income? Cause I know I insurance, haven't. there's a, there's a lag I'm, time. I'm far away from replacing my income. Mm. I was making a lot of money. Mm. Yeah. So it, 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 so what happens is people ask that question. Like I actually, maybe I just asked myself a lot and I, um, when, I, when, when will I be comfortable enough with the income? And the question for me was never like, I always wanted more. And so this, this, the, the sheer thought of starting a company knowing full well that I'm going to reduce my income scared the crap out of me, whether it was, and I, and it was because fear of what other people would think of me by making less fear of what my wife would think of me for making less, all these things played into it. And it was super difficult to get over that. And I remember having a conversation with my, with my wife and it was really hard for me to have this conversation with her. I'm like, dude, like, are you going to think less of me? And she's like, never occurred. Like I would never like, no, I didn't marry you because of money. Like you were dirt poor. You had nothing when we got married. <laughs> like you got a point. But what she did say to me was she goes, I always believed you'd become something. I was like, Oh crap. I never thought that. What so, a cool learning though. I mean, what, oh, what a dude, cool this, thing to learn about yourself and your relationship. I mean, yeah, the whole thing was incredible. incredible. Like getting yourself uncomfortable. Like, like what would have happened if I never did that? I would have just been there existing, like doing whatever, slinging insurance. Yeah. So that's impressive. Sounds like your wife's been supportive the whole way then. As much as she can be. (laughs) It's hard, right? It's super hard. There's definitely times where it's like, it's very, very challenging. 
in 2018, when I had the original idea, she goes, I, I came to her and at that time I was entrepreneur, I was having all these ideas, blah, 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 blah. Every week was a kind of a different thing. And she goes, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. She goes, you're not ready. I was like, oh, dang. 2020 rolls around and I come to her again. I'm like, and she's seen this transformation happen. And those two years is when I really started learning again from that mentor. And she, she, I don't think she realized how many books I had been. I was reading on average like 50 to 60 books a year. Like it was that much. And she goes, you're ready. I'm like, oh, dang. But you have to have that support. Yeah. Like you, without it, it's not going to work. Good for you. <clears throat> Audiobooks or? Yeah. You're doing audiobooks. Yeah, I can't yeah. read freaking worth crap. That's how I am too. <laughs> I, it's not it's not necessarily that I can't. It's just like where do you find the time? I, so I I fill in like when I'm mowing the lawn or on my drives or whatever. I, I'm constantly listening yeah. to audiobooks. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, awesome. Game changer. What's been the most influential book that you listened to? If you could pick one out of all of them. Or maybe one or two. What's the latest book even? Yeah. I'm reading a lot of um What's his name? Blunt, something blunt. Jeb Blunt oh, books of sales stuff. I just read them um, based on topics of things that I need at my current, like where I'm at right now. Um, the sales thing kind of came up not only to help my existing consultants out, but also just to help me out as we're upping our game with the audience that we're targeting right now in the franchise space. You go after some enterprise deals, you've got to like up your sales game. But um, influential, dude, you know, there's some of the classics, to be honest. I've read a ton. And what I've learned is that you find these golden nuggets that are often one or two of them are applicable to you at any given moment in time. Um, but leaning back, like one of the, you know, one of the ones that always comes up is like think and grow rich. Like there's something about that, that you, you get the warm and fuzzy tinglies inside. And you just, if you understand the book, if you understand the concept and what he's trying to get at, like there's something special about that, but like actual principles, there's so many, I, I just can't. Yeah. There's one that was called um, framing and it was how to reframe your mind looking at at current situations or current uh, processes and how to actually reframe like what what is to what could be, which is a very difficult thing for people that that one was fascinating. I read a whole thing on different uh, like eight eight books in the past couple years on how to be a CEO. I don't know how to be a CEO. I better freaking learn about it. <laughs> so I'd love to get that list of books. Yeah, I, oh, I be, got it. I track them. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Share that list. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> yeah, your story really resonates with me. I, uh, my dad owned a cabinet shop, or still he still does my whole life. Yeah. And I remember I was in college, and I was kind of the same way. Where I was like really entrepreneurial, trying to make changes, trying to figure out like how we could make it better. Yeah. And we had kind of the same battles, just, you know, he was, he was really comfortable with the way that they did it and, uh, didn't really want to change. And I, you know, our relationship never got strained that bad, but I remember having that conversation of like, Hey, I don't, I don't want a business partner anymore. I want my dad back. So it would be better if we just split. Yeah. And so I took a step away from his business for the same reason, because I wanted that relationship back. So yeah, that that's you find that your dad, did you find that your dad wanted you there working with him? I think he kind of, I think he always, uh, thought that, um, it would be a family business yeah. that kind of, cause his dad was a cabinet maker as well, Yeah. but I was always terrible at cabinets. So I don't know if he thought I was going to be the person. My little brother's way better at cabinets than I am. Uh, and so he's actually working with my dad still and, and will probably oh, take good. over the business. Yeah. So I think my dad's dream will still come true and it doesn't have to involve me, which is good because I'm just not a creative, like I couldn't see the cabinets, the kitchen yeah. when I walked in it. So 
Yeah, I find it interesting with my dad because I always tell people, I'm like, he's a good dad. Man, they get, yeah, like no issues there whatsoever. But as a partner, business and business, like we just didn't see eye to eye. And I, it was interesting because while he wanted all of his kids to work with him, he wanted me and my two brothers, my sister worked there at, at, at a point. Um, he made the environment such that we couldn't work there. Since I left, my other brother has left. My one brother has left there, the last person. And uh, I, I hope they make it. Are they, like, is there, why Why did you make it so hard? I guess I'm just trying to understand that. I, I You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there, I think. Um, so a lot of control challenges there? Yeah, or, he wanted to be, yeah, control was certainly one of them. He wanted to be a, um, what's it called? <clears throat> what's a business owner that's not always there? Semi-absentee. Mm-hmm. Um, but in control. So not really empowering you to make decisions that need to be made, yeah. essentially. Or it's like, hey, make the decision, and then, but when I see it and it's wrong, then I'm going to change it. Mm. And so it's that is hard. It's very difficult, and and that's just how it went. And then the, the the he's a baby boomer. You can you can kind of speak to and you can generalize somewhat to their generation of their kind of mentality. Um, he wanted to hold on to things. Uh, the business is his identity, right? It is, it is an attachment of his, um, saying that anything is, is wrong or needs change. It's a reflection on him personally. That's mm. how they see it. Unfortunately, it's really, mm-hmm. it's really difficult. It's sad. So, and then, you know, or for so, them to change for that reason. Yeah. It's like, Oh, so you're telling me that I messed up. It's like, no, I didn't say that. So we just need to improve this one process. Well, I, I did that. So that yeah. means I'm wrong. So therefore you're telling me I'm an idiot. Holy crap. Well, and, or, <coughs> you know, you see this challenge with, you know, uh, lots of founders across the board is they, they, they want to be helpful, um, but they just can't let go. And yeah. so, um, like you were saying that they just don't empower their people to make yeah. the decisions that need, be, that need to be made. And then when you come up with, Hey, this could be better. This process could be better if we did it a certain way. They're like, where's your loyalty? Yeah. Aren't you backing yeah. up? Where's oh, your support? You know, <laughs> and that's, that's a hard thing to, to combat, right? Absolutely. I mean, he, I very, very vividly, I remember him telling me, he goes, I would never talk to my father this way. <laughs> I did everything he said. I'm like, what a little bit different. <laughs> but what's interesting though, is like, he oh. taught me to be this way. I grew up this way because of him. So it's really weird, right? Coming in full circle. Now it's like, no, 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 no. You, you trained me. You taught me everything I know. I'm a rip. I'm, I'm like you, right? Like it's so bizarre. Then it's like, no, don't be like that anymore. You, you can't be independent. You can't think for yourself. You can't ask questions. You can't do that now because you're working for me. Really crazy. But that's how I raised you. But that's how I raised you. <laughs> oh, it's so crazy. I, I, I recognize that my kids are, my oldest is 10. Uh, and I start to see those traits in her and I'm like, Hey, it makes you a really frustrating kid, but you're going to be an amazing adult know, because know, of those skills that you're building. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You know, it's, it's also funny that you, you mentioned this story. It, it resonates with me too. I actually come from the insurance world. My, Crazy. my family on multiple I'm so still sorry. Do insurance agency. <laughs> it's great. No, it's a, it's a great <clears throat> business. Um, and, and takes care of them very well, but um, did that for years and years like you. And, um, my father was, uh, an amazing man and mm. love him in every way. A hero of mine really, um, was taken too soon, but, um, same, it was kind of like, this is the way you do it yeah. and there's no other way. Yeah. And, you know, I expect it to be done this way. And, um, for him, what I've learned over the years is, um, 
there's a way to work smarter and there's a way to work harder. Yeah. And oftentimes it was the latter. It's like, yeah. just work harder and it will all work out. And I would constantly question like, really, can't we do things better and, and yeah. in a more technology, you know, fashion and, and you know, in a, in a better way that way. And, um, just didn't, it didn't work well. Yeah. So yeah. working with family is just hard. I am kudos to all the family owned businesses out there that work together because, and if they can make it work even better, because, a lot of times it just, it just doesn't work well. It is very difficult. I mean, especially with like, yeah, I don't, I, I, I would like to think that I'll be different if my kids ever want to work in my business. I have no desire. I have no, there's no ul- ulterior motive for me or anything like that. To like get them in my business. I have to have my kids. Like I just want to, prov- I want them to be better than me. Like, that's it. Like that would make me happy, mm-hmm. smarter, better, more talented, more skilled. Like I'm already excited about my little ten, nine year old girl that can do, she's attempting backflips on the ground. I'm like, what? I would never in a million years try to do this. She said, dad, <laughs> come spot me. I'm like, and she's just teaching her, you know, it's like stuff. It's like, come on. That's exciting to me. That's cool. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. That's cool. <clears throat> so you started building this in 2020. March of 2020. Well, I guess you really had the idea. 2018. Yeah. I've been brewing for a long time. Um, obviously, you know, you've been building now for a couple years. What would you say, looking back over the last three years, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? So many lessons. And I think that's the lesson. Is that you're <laughs> is constantly to, learning? Is to, yeah, is to ask yourself, what did I learn from this experience? Like, that's the big lesson. And if you're not asking yourself that question after everything you do, then you're not learning and you can't change. And so I, I, I do that still to today. Right. And it, actually it's gotten to a point where it's just a habit. And then I ask myself, this, <laughs> I ask myself a lot of questions. I talk to myself a lot. It's kind of weird. But then I ask myself this question is like, well, why aren't other people asking this question? Why is it that they're relying on the processes that I developed a year ago? There's no change. There's no innovation. There's no iteration. Like what's happening? Why aren't they asking the questions? It's really, that gets me within your company, within the company. Uh, yeah. So the lesson I've learned, some of the biggest lessons, I mean, aside from always asking the question, like, what did I learn from this and what can we change or whatever? Um, <clears throat> man, there's, there's so many, I'm learning a lot about leadership. Uh, leadership is extremely difficult. Um, business and scaling a company is extremely difficult. Uh, looking back on, on poor vendor relations that I had, um, wasted money on technology development that was useless. That's a big learning lesson for me. Um, not focusing on core competency that actually solves customer problems. That's a big learning lesson for me. That's one of the probably biggest ones just because it, um, I wasted so much money and time on it, which is super painful. So, so what's next then? For your company, what are you looking forward to that's coming up in the near future that you're like, oh, what am yeah, I looking forward to? Profitability. Okay. We're right there. So profitability. Yeah. 20, Which 20, is a huge step, by the way. Huge step. Yeah. 21, 21 months. So we actually got traction. We started getting traction January of 22 last year. So 22 months or something like whatever it is, 21 months. Um, and insurance is, we're doing small business insurance. It's relatively small transactional deals. It's a lot of volume. But it becomes sexy because you get residual income. Recurring. Recurring. That's yeah. the cool part. And so we're only forever if you take care of it. You take care of it. Our retention is great. We have a ninety-four percent retention rate. We're coming up now. Next year starts our second year of retent of renewals, which is, is huge for us because all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we have 
basically a million dollars of ARR that we can now build on top of and then keep going. It snowballs. It starts to snowball. And so I'm looking forward to the big thing I'm working on right now. I kind of mentioned it earlier and why I'm reading all these sales books is uh, we identified a very narrow target audience. It was really cool. We go, okay, we're in the insurance space. It's difficult to dethrone an incumbent, what we call an incumbent agent or existing insurance agent. So we need immediate traction, which means we need to find franchises that are growing quickly because they don't have a relationship with an agent. So we, we call them hyper growth emerging franchise concepts. Then the question is, how do you find those guys? Like what, who has the, who has the crystal ball to find them? And we started to learn that there's a lot of these, um, what's called FSOs, franchise sales organizations. And the franchise sales organizations would identify the next big thing. That's what they called them. That's their tagline. And they say, they give them, you know, they, they, they pull out their magical wand. They say, Hey, we're going to bless you guys. And we're going to freaking grow your brand ludicrous speed. And they do. And they'll, they'll sell oh, 60 franchisees, a hundred territories in a single year. And so we were, um, August of 21, we had our first brand. I didn't sell my first policy until like November, December of 21, one policy. I was like, Oh my gosh, I finally sold a policy. Cause I was trying to, f- I was trying to stay in my lane. I had to focus on franchising. I could sell policy. I've been selling insurance for 14 years, mm-hmm. but I needed to sell it after I got a franchise or a customer that started referring me to their franchisees, um, or within that franchise system, I was calling everybody. Which is probably kind of a long sell cycle, huh? Yeah. 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 You have to get the franchisor first. Yeah. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. But once you get them, it's sticky because now you don't have that your CAC is reduced significantly because the franchisor just says, Hey, use Rycor. Then you're the exclusive we're, yeah, provider, we're the preferred. Right? Preferred. You can talk about what that, why we do it that way. But yeah, we're the preferred. And we got our first hyper growth emerging brand in December of 21. And sure enough, they started growing and sure enough, we started getting crazy traction is nuts. And so then we started identifying those guys and our conversion ratio for franchisors was like 95%. I'd close every single one of those guys. And so now we work with 63 franchise brands and they're all sending franchisees to us. And so we're growing our pool. So the next big thing that's exciting for me is, is kind of changing our audience, kind of going up the ladder. So we're working on these emerging brands, 25 to 75, hundred units. Now we're attracting larger platform brands. Platforms own, they're backed by private equity. They own 10 plus franchise systems, thousands of franchisees. And we're, we're at a place now with our systems and our processes and our technology where we are not only optimizing, like we have this incredible um, operational efficiency on the inside with the way we quote, the way we process, the way we um, interact with, with customers or prospective customers. I feel super, super confident that we can take on and dethrone anybody in the industry so that's what I'm looking forward to. Just we'll go from 63 next year. We'll probably have a hundred plus franchises. Good franchisors, right? Franchisors. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Is that, <clears throat> I know you have to be licensed in, you know, certain States for insurance. Is that mostly Utah or is that nationwide nationwide? Okay. So you have to manage each state separately. Yeah. You're licensed <laughs> every single state for both myself individually and the agency. So you have two different types of licenses. Ugh. Most of the states are pretty much the same. There's a few nuances and differences. I outsource it though. It's not that big of a deal. I have a third party that does all the licensing for us. The challenge is the market conditions right now in the insurance industry. I don't know if you've seen, but like big announcements, all state pulls out of California, state farm pulls out, farmers pulls out, nationwide pulls out, travelers pulls out. I mean, you name it. This hasn't happened for 50 years. Why? What's going on? Oh, market conditions. So they call it market conditions. They call it catastrophic losses fires and hurricanes and things like, I'm like, bull, 
it's law, it's, it's attorneys. So attorneys drive up costs for everything. The freaking slime balls, man. <clears throat> they get involved. They sue the insurance companies. The insurance companies, what was a $100,000 claim is now a $500,000 claim or a million dollar claim because they're freaking attorney and the attorney takes 30%. It's a joke. Mm. So that's one aspect of it. It's the, it's the social climate that's really impacting the insurance industry. So they're pulling out <clears throat> of the more um, litigious, litigious states. Look at it. It's California. It's Florida. Florida is nasty, actually, when it comes to lawsuits. But that's because of all the natural disasters down there. Sure, though, right? it's part of it. But certainly, if you look at like the attorneys and litigation over in Florida, mm. it's terrible. Mm. It's terrible. New York, I get, we're almost impossible to get insurance for certain industries. So the so certain areas will almost be uninsurable. Uninsurable, and then you have what's called um, each state is governed by a, um, a DOI. CUI commissioner. I don't know what's called commissioner of insurance or something like that. I'm forgetting why, uh, what it's called anyway. So they govern the rates for the state. So state farm says, Hey, we have to increase our rate by 10%. And this guy comes back and says, no, I'm not going to approve you. So then they just plot of the state. Wow. That, so, I mean that that's bad for those people in those areas. Right. But it's better for everyone else. Cause then it becomes more stabilized cause you're getting rid of all those loss leader areas. Right. Um, stabilized better for everybody else. It reduces the available markets. And anytime mm-hmm. you have limitation in markets, then you have to increase costs. High prices. Much competition. Yeah. That makes sense. So it, the, it. The, the DOI, I think it's called, why am I forgetting that? Term? I don't know why I'm forgetting it. Anyways, they are doing a, they're doing the exact opposite of what they're trying to do. Interesting. Unintended consequences. Unintended right? consequences because of the restriction. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Regulators. Regulators. I worked in the city space, so I know that we don't yeah, always you make get it. the decisions that actually create the outcomes we want. <laughs> we try, but yeah, it doesn't always work. Yeah. So we just navigate that stuff. It's one of the many things. So yeah, we run an insurance agency and we do technology. For the franchise space. Where are you based out of? Where Where's your remote? So I work out of my house in Draper. Got it. Utah. And okay. then I've got my partners in Florida. I've got three other people here in Utah, four in Utah, one in Idaho. And then uh, I've got two developers in China. And I've got eight, nine people in India, all my back office insurance people. We got him all the way down here to Springville. That's right. Nice. It was a far drive from me. <laughs> yeah. He, he works from home and he hates driving. Hate so driving. let's get you out of here before five so that I you don't s- hit the traffic. I'm staying. I, my, I'm meeting my wife in Pro, but we're good. <laughs> oh, you had to combo the trip to make it worth it. That's right. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go all the way down to Springville. I'm going to pack a bag and get a hotel. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I brought the, my laptop. making the trek. Yeah. Love it. Well, thanks for joining us today. This yeah. was fun to learn more about what your company's building and, and I'm excited to see what the next step is. Yeah, How do people it. find you? Where do they go to oh, learn more? Protectmyfranchise.com. Okay. And that's, that's awesome. So that's your website. Anything Nailed on it. LinkedIn or anything? Are you yeah, there? I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. Wade Millward. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Is, that, is your list of books there? Or? Dude, that's a good idea. I should put it in like that description box, huh? Yeah. It's great content. Oh, dang. Uh, it's on like a, a Google doc right now, hidden away from Okay, so they to have to it. email you to get the <clears throat> list of books. Ooh, there we go. Okay. Subscribe here and get a list of books. Hey, I'll email you as soon as I get home. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll send it to you. I'm man, an avid. Sure. I, I, I always love getting a new book. Same. So. The, yep. the one thing I did not do is put like a description or like I have notes for every single one of my books and like Google keep, but I never put a description next to the book. So all you get is the book and the author. It's fine. It's cool. I can like, make that's my all you own get, notes. Though. You don't get anything else. 
Yeah. You don't want to give away your secrets. That's right. That's right. Yeah, those are yours. My one golden nugget. Yeah. <clears throat> Wade, best of luck in the growth. We're excited Thanks, to see what happens. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.